Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Story Not Forgotten podcast, brought to you as always by Capturing Legacies. Because everyone's got a story to tell, we want to help you tell it. Visit CapturingLegacies.com to get started. My name is Liam Rathgaber, partner and anthologist with Capturing Legacies, as well as your host. And joining me today is a member of the Rivet Collective and co-host of the GIST podcast, Mr. David Schmeichel. Hello. Hello. Uh, first off, what exactly is the Rivet Collective? Yeah, so we are a brave new brand building agency taking on a, uh, a new approach to how brand building is done and coming at it from uh, the fact that there's something that you, at your core, are really deeply passionate about, and uh, and maybe that's been lost inside of whatever it is that you're doing in business, or you haven't allowed it to show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we help our clients figure out what their deep purpose is inside of what they do, so that um, that experience is now consistent with uh, with their customers and, and how they show up in the marketplace. We guide our clients through that that process. Cool. Yeah. Well, and if you're if you're passionate about what you're doing, then you're going to be better at it. Absolutely, especially if you're really clear what it is that you're passionate about. Because sometimes we uh, we're just doing it, but we're not sure why we're doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know we like it, but we're not sure why we like it. And so when you get that absolute clarity in that space, you just show up differently, and and it's your truth. So we have this philosophy that brand is truth, and if you own now who it is you say you are and what it is that you're up to uh, unequivocally, like it's just at, at the deepest levels, then, uh, then people are, are ready to, to accept it because intuitively they know that this is you authentically showing up, not a marketing mm-hmm. uh, n- niche or, or stick or, or whatever it is that's, that's been coming from the Mad Men era, right? Like we're, we are uh, we're not interested in any of that stuff anymore. So show up yourself and what you're up to, and that it's authentic and and people love that. Uh, and and when they are when they see that, they're they're actually ready to engage with you and, and buy from you because um, they know there's nothing being hidden. Mm-hmm. We're not uh, we don't want any more of that. Well, and it would also make it easier to go to work in the morning because totally. it's, it makes it. What you want to do. Exactly. And you take somebody like uh, like Stan Lee, who famously hadn't taken a vacation since I think the late 60s or early 70s. And he said, when you love what you do, you don't have to take a day off from it. There's no such thing as retirement. Right. If you really think about it, like the whole context for retirement comes from an, an era where you, you burned yourself out. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't about something necessary that you really enjoyed doing. You wanted to now enjoyed yeah, doing now something. I can go do what I want great and and that whole <laughs> that whole system is uh, turned on its head so how do we support the the existing businesses the aspiring businesses to to really be owning and doing what they love well that's great well we've gotten a little off track already but because we do what we do without any ado why don't you give us a story sure so I uh, I was um, born and raised a Jehovah's Witness um, and and there are there's, there's essentially f- like three, four parts to the story. I don't know how far I'll get through to all of them, but there was one in particular that I wanted to share. Um, my dad was a hunter, and, uh, and growing up, we had gone on a lot of hunting trips with my dad, me and my brothers. Um, 
there was one particular trip that uh, that we went on, and I was 12 years old at the time. I didn't didn't have my own rifle yet at that point, um, and we were out in Saskatchewan near uh, Cypress Hill, uh, and we were hunting for elk. Uh, him and, and some of his buddies were, were out there, and, and me and him went out a little bit later to, to connect with them. Um, but we ended up losing each other, and so it was just my dad and I for, for a good majority of the trip. Uh, we couldn't. There, there wasn't as much access to cell phone coverage or any of that stuff, uh, which is kind of funny to say. Uh, so we were at this uh, at this mountain, and my job was to go into the valley. It was a big valley, mm-hmm. and uh, and he would stay up at the top of the of the valley, and we would walk alongside each other. So he would see me, I would see him, and and my job was just to make a whole bunch of noise. And so that's what I did. So you're flushing things towards them. Exactly. Uh, making noise uh, and, and scaring and creating some opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that went on for uh, a good a good hour or so before I started. To, it started to get heavier. There was more brush. There was uh, uh, It was harder to, to start to, to really go continue to go. But I kept going. Um, and I still saw my dad, so it was all good. Uh, and then it got to a point where... Uh, I didn't see my dad anymore. Uh, and so lots of bigger trees. Um, and it just became harder and harder to continue forward. But on I went because my I was clear about what my job was. Mm-hmm. And it got to a point where uh, all around me was just forest. And... And I, at that point, I, I, I think my dad at that point had got, come back and tried to follow my tracks because he had lost complete sight of me. And this was about two hours in now. Oh. Um, so I kept going. And then I had some visitors um, start to follow me. So there was a, uh, a pack of coyotes. Um, which at 12 years old, those dogs, those, 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 those were pretty big dogs, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, all I had was a knife, my, my knife on me. And so I had that out and I was constantly um, throwing things in their direction, chasing them away. So they were, they were right there. They, they were there. They were just like hanging around. There was probably, they were probably like 30 feet away from me. So they weren't like right there, but they made their presence known. Uh, and so that, uh, the, the adventure started to quickly become very scary. Uh, and, uh, thankfully nothing happened, but, uh, this was about, so they must've followed me probably for like 40 minutes or so. And at that point, my, my dad had gone, he'd gone as far as he could go to try and continue to follow my track. So even he couldn't follow my track anymore. And so he decided to go right back up the, uh, the canyon there, uh, the valley, and, uh, and see if he could uh, find me from, from another way. Um, all the while, he's thinking, I, uh, how am I going to tell my wife that I just lost my son in the, in the mountains, in the woods, right? Uh, we've still not really had that conversation to this day about that experience, but he's had that conversation with my brother and, and with, with my mom. And, 
it's something that's on my radar mm -hmm. to just to get from his side, you know, what happened. Uh, and, uh, and then at that point, a blizzard started to roll in. So just when you think it can't get any worse, <laughs> it, as it tends to do, it, it throws you another curveball to deal with. Uh, and at that point, I, I decided to stop moving forward and to change my approach, to do something different. And I, I went up the valley. Uh, in hindsight, that probably should have happened sooner. But I was given direction and, and I followed it. I had a job to do. That's right. Uh, and so I went up the valley and at that point the blizzard was really starting to set in, um, low, low visibility, I uh, couldn't see anything, uh, and then I heard something. And it was my dad in his last resort firing shots in the air in hopes that I would hear it mm -hmm. and, and maybe find him from that, which we did. We, we did end up finding each other. Uh, I had a conversation recently with a friend who, who kind of put it together for me in, uh, there, there was a, uh, a lesson learned in, inside of that story. And, th and that is, um, I typically show up that way in life. I just keep going regardless of what's showing up and what's blocking me. There's, there's always a drive to just continue to, to move through it, to push through it. Um, and sometimes you need to change your direction in order to have something, some sort of access show up, something worthwhile, and not necessarily worthwhile, but um, that whatever it is that you're looking to do actually gets done and, and, and gets completed. You gotta sometimes pivot yourself and change direction. Mm -hmm. And uh, and she created that for me, and it, it was really interesting that I, I didn't even make those connections. Um, but yeah, that, that was really the takeaway for me in, inside of that story. It was, it's good to push through and, and uh, those that are really good at what they do and love what they do will do that. Yeah, you just put your head down and you go. That's right. But uh, sometimes you need to, to look and see if, one, if, if it's serving you and if you're uh, putting yourself in, at harm's, you know, there, there's something going on that, that maybe you're not present to or, or not paying enough attention to mm -hmm. and to shift your perspective, do something different. Um, yeah, so that's... That's the first story. Um, the second story is related to, uh, I, I almost died three times in my life. So, so that would have been the first one. I am 38 years old now. Uh, so it's, it's interesting. And I, I had conversations with a few people about that, that. Clearly, there's something that I was meant to do here on this world that I have not yet done. <laughs> uh, and so I've been given a few chances to, to just make sure I, I, I do do that, right? Uh, so the second time was uh, September 10th, 2011. I had a grand mal seizure. And uh, I was, uh, I almost bit through my tongue. I was at work and, and just keeled over and uh, woke up at the hospital. And it turned out I had uh, a brain tumor. Uh, and so September 11th, sorry, did I say 2011 or? Yeah. Yeah. So 2001. So the, uh, the, the day of the craziness in New York. The September 11th. The September 11th. So this for me is, uh, is very, is very hard to forget on, on a lot of fronts. Um, and it was, 
it was one of those check-ins. Like, am I am I doing everything that I want to be doing and should be doing, want and and could be doing? Um, and I at that time I was uh, I felt like I had to. This was twenties, early twenties. I had left uh, my family from Calgary. I was living in Vancouver. I felt like I needed to find my way. Uh, because there was a lot of things that uh, was just contradicting for me. I couldn't quite make sense of it. And mm-hmm. I felt like I needed to remove myself to to take that on. I was drifting for a, a fair amount of time. Uh, and and that, yeah, that incident started to, to, it just jogged something for me. And um, I started to really look at what it is that I'm doing and, and am I going in the right direction to find it. So this set me on a path to, to pick up my, my creative side again, because I had set that away. I, I had applied to ACAD and got rejected and basically said a big F you to the world, like, what do you know, as we tend to do at our in our adolescent ages. Mm-hmm. Um, and I decided to pick that up again and start that process. And it was a challenging thing to pick up because it was like I'd never done it again. I had never done it before. Um, so, so that set a, a path in motion. Um, thankfully, uh, it was a benign tumor. Otherwise, we would likely not be speaking. Probably not. Yeah. And uh, about a year or so after that, they had it removed, uh, not without going through a few neurosurgeons that had a very doom and gloom picture that uh, you don't want to hear when it's your life on the line kind of thing, mm-hmm. right? Um, so we, we did we did speak with a, a great uh, neurosurgeon and and he did a marvelous job uh, clearly and um, and that was the the second time I had almost died in my life and the, the third time was in uh, 2007 uh, where I was just starting to do my upgrading I had uh, spent some time in Europe running a bed and breakfast and came back and I had made the choice I'm going to do my upgrading I'm going to pursue my career in, in creative, uh, which is where I actually met my wife um, at the school there in Vancouver. But unfortunately, the day, I think the second day class started, um, we were in our place on Commercial Drive. My roommate at the time, who was dealing with, uh, with his own stuff and, 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 and alcohol, alcohol abuse and, and all of that nature. Um, so he was, he was challenging, he was challenged with some of his own things and at his time. Um, and he, uh, ended up uh, locking himself in, in the bathroom, uh, by accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, we would have normally fell asleep on the couch and we had a neon sign in the corner there that evening. I, I felt like I felt compelled to just look at, um, my my life, my, my photo albums, uh, letters that I'd gotten from friends and past girlfriends. It's just I don't know why. I just felt like I needed to. It's sort of the why am I here moment. Yeah. Um, and, and how has life been so far? And just getting connected to it. Um, little did I know that that evening, that sign, that neon sign in the corner, would um, the transformer would blow or something happened. And uh, as, a, as an artist now, in that in that place there was a lot of paper all of these things were there and they uh they caught fire uh the couch caught fire and it basically went through that whole living room um my my bedroom was the the wall sharing where the fire started and it went out instead of in um 
And so when I woke up, I woke up to the, the front windows exploding out mm-hmm. of, uh, of our place. And there was smoke everywhere. I could barely hear the smoke detector. Um, clearly in a, uh, it was confused. It was a confusing state of, uh, state to be, right? You didn't know what the hell was going on. And then it clued in quickly. So my, my place, uh, my room was, uh, went right into the kitchen and, and the back door was, it was basically a straight line. So what I did was went to that door and I opened up that door to start to let that smoke in and I was going to go get my roommate mm-hmm. and the door slammed shut. Um, and I tried that three or four times and the amount of smoke that was now coming in from the living room was keeping that door closed. Yeah, just the back pressure. Yeah. Um, so smoke started to fill from the top down, black smoke. I had enough time to put my pants on or so I thought. Unfortunately, my what would have been great is if I put that sweater on that was hanging right there by my pants because I had my passport and my phone and my wallet. was It was all there, but I didn't grab it. Unfortunately, didn't grab it. Um, and, and it really, you know, what happens in the immediate, what happens in that immediate urgency, like something's going on, what goes on in your mind? Uh, it, it's like a complete 180 of what you think you might do versus the reality of what you do and take on. So I, I, uh, I went out the door um, and I uh, banged on everybody else's doors, like a, a sixplex um, apartment mm-hmm. off, of con- uh, off of Commercial Drive. And then I went back up and I started screaming my, my roommate's name. And, uh, and he, at that point, had woken up and was in a completely delirious state. He didn't know what was going on. And at that, at that point, the fire was like basically right there with him coming out. When he came out, he was crawling out of the bathroom. Um, the fire, uh, the heat of the fire, uh, just like it, he got some third degree burns, but not, not severe. It was just uh, spotty and, and smoke inhalation. He ended up having third degree burns in his throat. Mm-hmm. Um, and all at that point, all he could hear was my voice. And so he was trying to follow my voice. And it's not a very big place. It would have taken normally 10 seconds to go from where he was to out the door. But it must have been, I don't know, two minutes. Well, he woke up to a completely different environment. Yeah, and didn't know didn't know where he was. And, and even, I guess I had stopped. There would have been momentary times where I just stopped. Uh, maybe I was catching my breath. And uh, it felt for him like forever. Like, oh, my God, like, where are you? Mm-hmm. Uh, and it was, uh, he, he finally, his head poked out, uh, and he was all covered in smoke and it was just, it was crazy. Um, it's crazy what happens with fire, the, the utter destruction of fire. And, uh, and in that moment, I allowed myself to accept my loss. Like in that moment, it was, it was devastating for me. I I was just starting school, two laptops, no insurance. I mean, you, you paint the picture. It's typical Mm -hmm. of of that surroundings. Uh, and, and I let it go right in, in that moment, uh, which is, I didn't realize I let it go right in the moment. It didn't happen until later on once I was starting to put the pieces back together again, I just kept going, uh, and uh, the parallels between my roommate and myself, he ended up having um, a lot of, he held on to it. And not that there's anything wrong with it, it's just we, we take things on differently in life. And, 
and we have our own reasons for doing it. And uh, he ended up dealing with a lot of anxiety, um, couldn't deal with close quarters, uh, and and he grappled with that for a long time. Um, so, so that was the third, the third. Um, I don't know what you call it. My my near death experience. Third life. Yeah, my third life, uh, and it set it set a, a new clarity for me and where, where I want to pursue things like it, it challenged me like do you, are you doing really what you want to do because there's been three instances where uh, it almost ended right then and there mm-hmm. uh, and so that's I'm reminded of that often the the choices that we take or don't take for the reasons and considerations we put in in front as like why we decide to take it or not take it really make a significant difference in the quality of life and, and our fulfillment and, and whether we're really following our purpose. And that's what those did for me, is, is to really, um, not that I, I was really clear at that point, but what I was clear about was I was on the right path because I got to ask myself, am I, like, am I actually doing what I want to do? Uh, and and the answer was yes, so I just continued on that path again. Um, yeah, and it, it's it's awesome to to remind myself of that, because sometimes you're so caught in it and you wonder why that you forget about what got you there, mm-hmm. right? All of that work and all of those things that um, that stood in your way or maybe were opportunities that you took. Yeah, that's me um, up until. T- yeah, up until 2008, I would say, is was, was, was really where things began for me. And then we had uh, twin, uh, we had twins show up, a boy and a girl. And, uh, and I've been running the entrepreneur game uh, for as long as I can remember. And it's because of those, those, those milestone moments that I continue to do what I do. Yeah, and you've got the the motivation that it could end at any point. So yeah, I'm reminded of get that on the right often. path. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm glad to hear that you're on the right path now. And you're enjoying yourself because if video games have taught me anything, you're on your last guy. You <laughs> so know, you have to get it right this time. And I actually wrote a blog on, on gaming and cause I'm a gamer myself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I, I really see some interesting parallels in, uh, in what gaming can create as access for you for life. Because yeah, you, you've only got so many lives mm-hmm. You, you really want to make the use of them. Uh, oh, it's okay that, okay, I know I, I've got more more chances at this, but don't take that too lightly. Yeah, because you've only got three lives. You don't there, want to waste them. It only them. goes so far. And then you, then you, and then what? I mean, in real life, it is different from a video game, right? You can start over in a video game. Not very often can you do that in real life. Yeah. 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 So... Now that you have started over in real life, uh, where can people find out more about the Rivet Collective? Yeah, they can go to brandistruth.com mm-hmm. and uh, they can explore a little bit about what we do on the brand building side. And uh, if they want to follow us, uh, uh, our Vern and I, my, my co-host for the GIST podcast, if they want to follow our rants on, on that platform, they can go to thegistpodcast.com. And that's G-Y-S-T? G-Y-S-T, yeah. And that's... 
available on iTunes, Google Play, wherever. It's wherever uh, podcasts well, right are now sold. it's it's available on iTunes. I haven't syndicated it everywhere yet. Okay. Um, it's on the Podbean platform, uh, but the Just Podcast domain points directly there, and and it is available on on iTunes as well. So for now. Perfect, and we'll definitely get links to those up in the uh, up in the liner notes as well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. Yeah, Thanks thank for you. sharing your stories with us. I'm sure they're going to inspire people to, uh, to get off their chair and do things properly. Yeah, I hope so. Everybody's got a story to tell. Capturing Legacies is there to help you tell it. Visit CapturingLegacies.com to get started. <laughs>